You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. The book of Matthew is a book that we have been working through together as a church for these past uh, several, a couple years now. And this last section that we've been working in is Matthew chapter 13. And the gospel of Matthew and Matthew 13 gives us the third teaching of Jesus. So it's outlined by five teachings that Jesus has given, the Sermon on the Mount, We've looked at that, the commissioning of the disciples in Matthew chapter 10. And then in Matthew chapter 13, we come to the parables of the kingdom, Jesus's third teaching. And in this third teaching, Jesus has given us eight parables. Four of the parables are directed towards crowds of people that were there with Jesus. And then four of the parables are directed towards his disciples. So if you look at your Bibles in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 2, we get the context and the first four parables being to the crowd. And it says this, And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So this is where Jesus is teaching the first four parables. Is he's more than likely in a boat out a little bit off the shore using the water as a megaphone for his voice so that he can speak to hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are there. And he gives these first four parables. The parable of the soil, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the leaven. And then in verse 36, the context changes, the, the, where they're at changes, and look at that in verse 36. Then he left the crowds, and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying. So now we've gone from Jesus being in the boat, teaching the first four parables, to now Jesus is in a house with his disciples, and he's going to teach them these last four parables. That's really important for us to understand as we think about these parables, that he's addressing the first four to a crowd of people that would have believers and non-believers in the crowd. But these last four, he's directing towards those who are followers of him, these disciples that have chosen to follow him. So today, as we look at these last four parables, these are the parables we're going to see in the outline of the text. Verse 44, we'll look at the parable of the hidden treasure. Verses 45 and 46, we'll see the parable of the pearl. And then 47 through 50, we'll see the parable of the net. And, the par- and then verses 51 through 52, we'll see the parable of the homeowner. Here's what I'm going to do. As I teach through this, These two parables are going to be paired together, and then these two parables will be paired together. I think as you go through Matthew 13, you find that these parables sort of go in couplets, right? They're they're two together, that he's making the same point with a couple of the parables, and we'll find that today in the text. So look with me at verse 44 of uh, Matthew 
13. Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. So the first illustration, a practical story that Jesus uses to illustrate a spiritual truth as he's in the house with the disciples is this idea of a hidden treasure. And you sort of get the picture in this verse. A guy is working in a field. He comes on a treasure. He, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. Now, what is the context of the story? What's going on? Well, in Jesus' time, the context was very different for how they took care of the things that they valued. We today have banks where if we have valuable money, right, our money, we put it in banks and they're to take care of it. Well, they didn't have banks back in Jesus' day. And so how they would take care of their valuables or the things that they treasured is they would own a field and they would go and dig holes in the field and they would bury their treasure. And so this is what Jesus is talking about here is a man is working in a field and as he's working the field, he's not a guy that is you know, doing the beep, 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 beep thing, right? Trying to find some metal. This is a guy who's actually working in a field, maybe even for the guy who owns the field. And he comes across as he's digging, he comes across the treasure. Now, what's interesting is the guy doesn't pull the treasure out and look at it. That would have been breaking the law. If you found a treasure, you couldn't pull it out of the ground. If you did, it immediately went to the owner of the land. So you had to leave the treasure in the ground. That's why he covers it back up is because he doesn't want to break the law. And then the man goes, the Bible says, and and look at this. I want you to remember this. He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That what he found in the ground was so valuable that he stumbled upon it, that it was so valuable that he's like, it's willing, I'm willing to sell everything that I have to get the field because of the treasure that's in that field. This is the first picture that Jesus draws for them of the kingdom of heaven as he's talking to them. Then look at the second one. The second one is a little bit the same in verse 45 and 46. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, look at what he does, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see the similarity between the two men? The first one sold all that he had to buy the land. This guy, different person, sells all that he has to buy the pearl. So again, here's the picture. The guy's a pearl dealer, right? So he's dealing pearls, selling and buying them, and he comes across a pearl that is of the best value that he's ever seen in a pearl. There's no pearl that is more valuable than the one he finds. And so this guy goes and sells all that he has. He sells all of his other's pearls so that he can get this one pearl. Why? Because the pearl is of great value. That he's willing to sell all the other pearls that he has so that he can have this pearl of great value. The point of these two parables that Jesus is making to his disciples is the value of the kingdom of heaven. Whether you've stumbled onto the treasure or you're a pearl dealer, 
and you find this one pearl that has more value than any others and you sell all. The point is the value of the kingdom of heaven. Now remember, he's talking to his disciples. His disciples are coming to a moment in their life where it's going to get really rough because Jesus is going to become more and more unpopular. And he's already, we're going to see this at the end of chapter 13 in a few weeks where we'll see that, again, the hostility is growing towards Jesus. So you got to think the disciples, as they're sitting here and they're hearing Jesus talk about this idea of the, the wheat and the weeds and the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, this separation, you got to think there's probably some angst in their heart. And what they're saying to themselves is, is it really worth it to follow Jesus? Is this whole kingdom of heaven that he's talking about, is it really of value to me? Is it really worth selling all to follow him? Is it really worth getting rid of everything so that I can be a part of the kingdom of heaven? Is it really worth it? And so Jesus is sharing this story with his disciples to say, yes, it is. The value of the kingdom of heaven far exceeds any sacrifice that you'll make for the kingdom of heaven. How do we know this was true of the disciples' lives? Well, if you follow their stories out, many of the disciples that were in this room with Jesus gave their lives for the cause of Christ. That it just wasn't something they, they knew about, that they experienced, but it was something that they believed and they saw the value of the treasure and they saw the value of the pearl and they said, this is worth dying for. This is worth being beheaded for. This is worth being hung up, upside down for. Right? This is worth being thrown in prison for. This is the value of the kingdom of heaven. You see, we do this in our lives. Every time we sign our kids up for something, we do it with the idea that, is this really valuable? So you give them one season of soccer and you find that's not really valuable, right? That they just sort of move around in clumps and it doesn't work. Or you give them one season of basketball and it's like, that's they don't have any sports skills, right? So then you go to ballet or you go to dance and you give them one season of dance and you ask yourself the question, is it really worth it? And then you watch them dance and you're like, not, not worth it. Don't get that skill either in their life, right? Then you go to put them in piano, right? To teach them how to play the piano. Maybe they've got the musical talent. Then after a year, you ask yourself, is it worth it? And you're like, mm, probably not worth it that either, right? We do this in every area of our life. We ask the question, is it worth it? Is it of value? When you go to take a new job, sometimes when you take a new job, it's not about the money. It's about the value of it. It could be less money, but it's more valuable to you because you're going to be able to be home more. You're going to be able to be with your family. And so we, we do this in our life when it comes to the value of things in our life. And we need to take that same mentality to the kingdom of heaven. And we need to ask ourselves the question, is the kingdom of heaven of such value that it's worth selling all that we have? And I'm not talking about being a missionary or a pastor here. 
I'm talking about tomorrow when you go to work. Is the kingdom of heaven worth, is, it, is the value of the kingdom of heaven worth putting Jesus first place in your life tomorrow? If you were to ask Paul, Paul, is the kingdom of heaven the most valuable thing in your life? Is it worth it? Here's what Paul would say, and Clint read it a little earlier, Philippians chapter 3, or Sam did, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul said, it's worth it. That it's worth selling all that I have to get that treasure. It's worth selling everything that I have for that pearl because it is so valuable. Paul would answer the question, yes, it is worth it. Yes, the value is the sacrifice that I'm going to make is a, a far smaller than the value of the treasure that I will receive. But there's another man in, Bible, in the Bible who has a different response to Jesus in this way. In Matthew chapter 19, which we'll probably get to this next year at some point, in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16, it says this, Behold, a man came to Jesus and says, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus lists them for him, murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. And here's the young man, all that I have, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus says to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now we think the story is going to lead us, this man's going to do that. He's going to leave everything, he's going to sell it all, give to the poor and come follow Jesus. But look at what happens. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He looked at Jesus and the kingdom of heaven and said, nah, it's not worth it. I value my stuff too much. I value this life too much. Is the kingdom of heaven worth selling all? follow him. You've got to make that decision in your life. The disciples had to make that decision in their life as they're entering persecution, as they're entering a season where he's not going to be the most popular guy on the street. They had to decide, is this true? What Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is that hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is that pearl and it is worth Selling all to follow him. Then look at verse 30, 47. And again, these, those two were tied together, the treasure and the great value, or, the, or the, the pearl. Now these two, the net and the homeowner, they're tied together. I'll show you that in a second again. Verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea. And notice this phrase, gathered fish, of every kind. When it was full, this net, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good and contain, into containers, but threw away the bad. 
I think the main phrase in this is this idea of fish of every kind. So here's the, again, the illustration, the practical story that Jesus is using. It's really of a dragnet. And what they would do in the Sea of Galilee is they would throw this net that would have weights on it that would sink it to the bottom. And whether they were in a boat or on a shore, you would have guys on a couple of sides of the nets with ropes. And what they would do is they would drag that net along the bottom and they would pull it ashore or pull it into the boat. And when they would pull it into the boat, there would be all obviously all types of fish in there. Fish, as he would say, of every kind. And Jesus is making a point about this idea of fish of every kind because he wants them to see that the kingdom of heaven, the vision for the kingdom of heaven is people will come to know Jesus to know the kingdom of heaven from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That this is not a message just for a certain kind of fish. A.K.A. in this context, the Jewish people. That this is a message that is for the Jew and the Gentile. You could go back to the hidden treasure and the stumbled upon the treasure, that could be a Gentile. The one with the pearl, that could be a Jewish person. They know the value of it, but now they've seen Jesus come and he's the most valuable thing. So this is the same picture that's happening here is as they're dragging the net into the boat, the picture here is that there's fish from every kind. There's probably 20 different species of fish in the Sea of Galilee. And so when they would pull it in, they would keep the good fish and they would throw out the bad fish. And this is a reminder that the gospel is for fish of every kind. The gospel is for people of every kind. Here's the reality. You and I have never locked eyes with somebody that the gospel is not for. This is why in Matthew 28, this key verse for the book of Matthew, go make disciples of what? All nations. Fish of every kind. Go make disciples of all nations. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven is not just for the Jew. The good news of the kingdom of heaven is for the Gentile. The good news of the kingdom of heaven is for all people. That's why this next couple of weeks as a church family is so important because we need to be reminded that the gospel is not just good news for Gladstone and for Kansas City and for Missouri. The good news of the gospel is for people in New Zealand. The good news of the gospel is for people in Uruguay. The good news of the gospel is for people in the Ivory Coast. We need to remember that it's for all peoples. I I think of John's words in Revelation chapter 5 as he gets a glimpse into heaven. And there's this group of people that are singing to the Lord. Listen to the song that they sing to the Lord in verse chapter Revelation 5, 9, and 10. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal in speaking to Jesus, and you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. How, who did he ransom? From every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you made them, all of these people, all these different kinds of fish, you made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. This is the vision of the kingdom of heaven is that all people will come to know and to follow Jesus. Look, he goes on here in verse 51. 
Or, or look at verse 49 and 50 just really quickly because Todd hit on this last week. He, he goes back, and a lot of people tie this parable of the net with the weeds, the whole idea of collecting them and then burning them. He talks about the same thing here. Look at verse 49 and 50. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's a good reminder. The day is coming when the good and the bad fish will be separated. The wheat and the weeds will be separated. Heaven or hell, right? This is what he is saying here to them. And he's reminding them of that again because he said very similar, the same words in verse 40 through 42. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is reminding them that there is a day coming, either at his return and at the end of the age where we will be separated, the believer and the non-believer, the good fish and the bad fish, the wheat versus the weeds. That day is coming. And the question is, are you ready for that day? See, some may read this verse in verses 49 and 50 and it breed terror in their heart, which that is terrifying. Hell is terrifying. But as a follower of Jesus, just to be transparent, it doesn't breed terror in my heart because I'm secure in my relationship with Christ. It breeds terror in my heart for those who don't know Jesus Christ. That this is their eternal destiny is separation from God forever in hell. And that should motivate my sharing of my faith. But I don't look at this fiery and gnashing of teeth and bring fear because I can be secure in my relationship with the Lord. And if you don't have that security, you can. That's why John said in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. That you don't have to read a verse like 49 and 50 and be like, am I going to be the good fish or the bad fish? But you can read that and say, because of Jesus, because I know that I'm a sinner and I'm not good in and of myself, but Jesus gave his righteousness to my account and I believe that he died and was buried and rose again. I don't have to read that verse in terror because my confidence is in Jesus Christ. Do you have that confidence? If you don't, can I invite you to put your faith and trust, to, to know that you can have eternal life? So that you don't have to read verses like 13, 49, and 50 and be like, am I in that? Am I the one that's going to have to be weeping and gnashing my teeth because of hell? You can have confidence today in Christ. I would invite you to that. Look at verse 51 then. Jesus asked his disciples the question, have you understood all of these things? And I love the disciples' response. Yes, right? Like, confident. Like, yeah, we got it all. Seven of them. Check, check, check. Right? Like, we know what you're talking about. We're tracking with you, Jesus. We, we love the disciples because they're real. And they're like, yeah, we got you. 
Here's what Jesus says then. If you understand what he's saying, look at what Jesus says to them in verse 52. Therefore, because you said you understand what I'm saying to you, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. So what is Jesus saying to them here? He is referring to them as the scribe. A scribe was an expert of the law in Jesus' day. So they understood, right? That's why Jesus says, do you understand it? And they're like, yes. Then Jesus is like, okay, you as a scribe, picture it this way. You are a homeowner. You're a master of a house. And you bring out, and that's the key phrase in here, you bring out his treasure, what is new and what is old. So the point that Jesus is making to the disciples here is you've been given a treasure not to sort of hide away. You've been given a treasure to share. And so as a homeowner, when you gather your family around, don't hide the treasure, bring the treasure out. And it's interesting that he says, bring the old treasure out and the new treasure out. Here's what he's saying. He's talking about this idea of the old covenant and Jesus being the new covenant, right? And he's saying, so don't throw out the old covenant. So beware if a pastor says, we don't need the Old Testament. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't throw out the Old Testament. You, it's old but it has treasure in it. Why does it have treasure in it? Because it's pointing us to the new that is coming. And so he says, go get the treasure, both old and new, and share it with the people. What he is saying is, if you understand that the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, is for every type of fish, then bring out the treasure and share it. Then share the kingdom of heaven with those that you come in contact with. And so the question comes for us, who is the last person you shared the good news of the kingdom of heaven with? Who's the last person you brought out the treasure and said, hey, I want to share something with you that's so valuable to me, I can't help but share it with you. Because I want you to know the treasure and the pearl that I've found. Who is the last person that you've shared that treasure with? Listen, we're real good at sharing. Get on social media, right? And I, I say this not to Jesus juke social media, right? I, I hope you post kids of your, your pictures of your kids' sports and first days of school and your favorite food and your favorite sports team. But I guess my encouragement to, to you would be, how about you post stuff about your favorite Savior, <laughs> your favorite Lord? Like, listen, I hope when you go to my social media that you find pictures of my family because I value my family. I hope that you find articles about my favorite sports team because I like my favorite sports teams. But in the midst of that, if you can go through my social media and there's never a word about Jesus, there's never anything pointing people to the value that I truly have in my life, then maybe I'm not bringing out the treasure. And so I would challenge you, if we want to get real practical, yes, a person, but we live in a, in a digital world. We live in a world where we share things online. So, hey, how about let's be bold in our witness online as well. 
How about let's share this treasure that we've found in Jesus Christ in our social media as well. Why? Because we're to bring out the treasure. The disciples, it's not to keep it for themselves. It's for them to share. And this is the point of these two parables, that it is the vision of the kingdom of heaven. That this vision is that it's available to all people and those of us who understand it ought to be sharing it with others. And so we are asked the question, are we sharing the good news of the kingdom of heaven? Whether in person or on our social media. Let me finish our time together in Matthew 13 by summarizing for you all the eight parables that we have worked through over the last couple of weeks. I think this will be a helpful way for you to see what Jesus was after by using these practical stories to illustrate these spiritual truths. The first two parables that we looked at was the parable of the soil and the weeds. And here's what it illustrates. It illustrates the response to the kingdom of heaven. The seeds fall, that's the word of God, falls on all types of hearts. And there's different types of responses, remember? The different types of soil. Then you come to the weeds and the wheat. And the idea being that there's different responses to that. That there's going to be weeds in there that, the, that Satan throws in the midst of the, the, the wheat. And so it's up to the Lord to take care of the response and who's in and who's out. Our responsibility is simply to cast the seed. And so I want to remind those of you who teach in our kids' ministry classes and those who work in student ministry and those who are discipling your families at home, keep casting the seed, but be reminded the response of the kingdom comes in these parables. It's different type of responses. And your job is not to create the response. Your job is simply to throw out the seed and let God do the work in their hearts. Let God decipher the difference between the wheat and the weeds. But we see in those first two parables the response to the kingdom of heaven. In the second two parables, the mustard seed and the yeast, we, it illustrates for us the influence of the kingdom of heaven. That, that something like a mustard seed that is so small grows into this huge tree. Something like yeast that is such a little yeast, but it leavens the whole bread, right? The whole lump. The, the illustration that he's making for us, the spiritual truth is the influence of the kingdom of heaven. It may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but keep being faithful. Don't get discouraged in your smallness or your lack of influence. Let the gospel do the work. It will spread. It will grow. It's little, but it's going to influence. So if you go to Oak Park High School and you see that they celebrate a biological male as a homecoming queen, can I encourage you, be faithful to represent Christ well there. If you're an administrator or a teacher, you be faithful. I know it seems like maybe you're not making a difference. Maybe you're a mustard seed. Maybe you're a yeast. But you be faithful. You don't lose heart. 
You stay faithful to the God of the Bible and the scriptures that you know to be true and you continue to let the word of God do the influencing. And after first service, a teacher from Oak Park came up to me and said, just so you know, there's Fred Phelps and his crew from Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka is coming up to Oak Park tomorrow to picket it. And I would just say, that ain't how we're supposed to respond. Okay, so I condemn that as much as I would condemn the celebration of the other side. That ain't how we respond either. And so for those of you that I'm sorry that you've got to deal with that nonsense, that somebody who has Baptists and church that call themselves a Christian would be hateful and hurtful in that way, that is despicable to me as well. And so you be faithful. You keep being a light student and teacher and administrator in that place. You keep representing Jesus well, and it will come to fruition. The influence, the little mustard seed and that little yeast, it is influencing. You are the salt of the earth. Don't stop being the salt. You are the light of the world. Don't stop being the light. Be faithful. Third, the treasure and the pearl, and we've talked about these so quickly I'll hit it, illustrates the value of the kingdom of heaven. And I would say to those that are discouraged and wondering if it's worth it, it's worth it. It's that hidden treasure. It's that pearl. It's worth selling all that you have to follow Jesus. You're not going to come, listen, you're not going to come to the end of your life and be like, you know what? It really wasn't worth it. It will be worth it. It'll be worth it when we are in heaven with Jesus and we see that everything that we have done for the Lord will be rewarded. The promise is not for the here and now. The promise is for what is to come. Be faithful It is worth it. The value of the treasure and the pearl, the value of the kingdom of heaven is greater than any sacrifice you'll make on this side of heaven. The third and the the fourth is this idea. And again, we talked, net and the homeowner illustrates the vision for the kingdom. The vision is it's for every type of fish. It's for all people. And the vision is that then we would bring out the treasure. That this treasure that we found, we don't keep to ourselves, but we take it to the ends of the earth. So listen, if you wonder today, do I have purpose? As a follower of Jesus Christ, do you have purpose? I would say, yes. Your purpose is to take the treasure that you found and share it with somebody else. Say, can I tell you about this? Jesus, who takes broken things and heals them who takes hurting hearts and heals them, who even when you go through death, you can grieve with hope because you know of the hope that you have in Jesus. Let's live on mission. Let's live the vision of the kingdom of heaven by being a people who go to all people and we bring out the treasure that we've found. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and specifically the parables of the kingdom of heaven. To be honest, it's a relief to 
read them and know the response to the kingdom of heaven, the influence, the, the, the value and the vision. Like those things to me just bring relief to my heart to know you're the one doing the work. Like I just need to be faithful to present the word, faithful to, to what you've called us to do and know that you're going to be the one that's going to bring the fruit. You're going to be the one that's going to spread the influence of your kingdom. So Lord, help us to be a people that are faithful. Specifically, I would ask today that we would value the kingdom of heaven above everything else in our life, above our kids' sports leagues, above our kids' schooling, above our jobs, above our sports teams. May we value you and the kingdom of heaven more than anything else in our life. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to live out the vision of the kingdom of heaven, that we would have a heart for the nations. And the nations doesn't mean us going across the seas to the Ivory Coast. The nations may mean for us to go right across the street or to go to a friend at school or a coworker and share with them to bring out the treasure that we found. So help us, Lord, to be faithful to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.